you can open up to your line manager and to someone work, I think is a massive way of retaining talent and retaining people in organizations. So again, I've taken inspiration from many people. But like I said, I think my role models right now are those very authentic, compassionate, empathetic leaders, female or not, that I think can really help everyone who would really make an impact on people's lives. A very warm welcome to the Big Careers Small Children podcast, formerly known as Leaders with Babies podcast. My name is Verena Hefti. I am the CEO and founder of the social enterprise Leaders Plus, and I'm really delighted to share this next conversation with you. As you know, I've set up this podcast and our award-winning Leaders Plus Fellowship program because I want to give you access to inspiration and that practical support so you can continue to progress your leadership career whilst enjoying your young children in the way that works for you. And we do this by sharing the stories of some really interesting and inspirational women and men who've combined ambitious careers with young children in their own ways. And today's podcast guest is Carlotta Negri. She is the Chief Product and Design Officer at GIFCAF. It was particularly exciting to interview her because uh, this is the first time I've had a chance to talk to someone from her sector. And I didn't know her at all before this conversation, but I'm just so glad that we had the conversation because it was one of those chats where you feel like you could go on forever. You'll be pleased we didn't. But we talk about everything from setting boundaries to managing expectations of others around you. And any parent knows that the expectations that you face are high. And also just about how, I guess, how you evolve in your own journey um, of being a parent and how you you find your own way. We talk about work-life balance and how your identity changes or sometimes doesn't change. And yeah, Carlotta was extremely honest. So thanks again, Carlotta, for that. For those of you who have inquired, applications to the fellowship are at the moment closed, but we've had more applications than ever before, but we'll open again in 2023. But if you do want to get involved in the work of our social enterprise to help people continue to progress their careers whilst having young children, then we will be sharing a number of events coming up in the near future. All the information will be sent out through our newsletter, which is leadersplus.org.uk forward slash newsletter. So every month we're sending a newsletter with new ideas to try. And as I said, there will be events coming your way should you wish to do that. And of course, you can register interest for the fellowship as well online and to make sure that you're here in time. I've been thinking about just bringing your voices and your stories more as the listeners. So you have a chance to do that. I would like to invite you to ask questions of our guests. You can ask anything that you want me to ask our guests. If you go to speakpipe.com forward slash big careers, small children. So speakpipe.com forward slash big careers, small children. And then you can basically leave a voice note with a question that you like me to ask our guest. We have some really interesting people coming up, including an HR director, a CEO working part-time, someone working in a male-dominated environment and so on. So if you want to be kept anonymous, then just say that at the beginning of the message. And otherwise, we might include your message in the podcast. And hopefully that should be a really exciting way to get more of your questions answered and make it as useful as possible to you. Now on to today's conversation. 
So a very warm welcome, Carlota, to the podcast. I am really delighted to have a chance to have a proper chat with you. And I think it's one of those conversations where it was really important to press the record button in time because even in the pre-chat, we already started putting the words to rights. So why don't we start with you telling our listeners who you are, um, who's in your family and what you do for work? Cool. Thank you very much. It's such a big pleasure to be here with you today. And who knew that I would have been interviewed for, for a podcast? So kind of a dream come true. So thank you for having me. I'm Carlotta and I'm the Chief Product and Design Officer at GIFGAF, which is the mobile network run by its members. I joined GIFGAF about six years ago and my role really as a Chief Product and Design Officer is, is to challenge the status quo and create products and experiences that our members would love. I'm a foodie. I'm a traveler. Well, actually, no, I'm not anymore because I've got a kit right now. So I used to travel and I love traveling and I hope I will go back to traveling very soon. I'm a certified yoga instructor and I love technology and innovation. And in particular, what I love about innovation is the idea of what can change, how to transform a bit people's lives, given that transformation, that sense of innovating and keep on changing, either if it's big or small. I'm married to Luca, I met 20 years ago now, nearly. It was a typical love at first sight. And we have a daughter whose name is Alice, and she is three years old, which is a very, very interesting development phase. Um, so I can tell all about it if you'd like we've been living in london for about 15 years we're originally from italy and so we don't really have family around us to help us we are both working uh, full-time and so just literally the two of us trying to make it work as as well as we can feeling that most of the times actually we can't really but yeah we do our best mm. and you've just told me when you before we came live that You've chosen to have Alice at the when you were at the peak of your career. And I think it's a really interesting question is when is the right time to have a child? Do you have any views on it? Like do you think still think now was the right time to have a child or has that changed? Yeah, I can just speak personally, Verena. And I have to say I was so scared of becoming a mother that for a good number of years I delayed it and I pushed that idea back thinking it's not the right time I still want to grow my career I still want to travel a lot I still want to be more independent and I want to just enjoy life it wasn't my idea I think it was Lucas after all that was very keen on becoming a father who actually encouraged me to start a family together but I have to say I I don't think no I wasn't ready I think after all when I had the liche I don't think you can ever be ready but I felt that across all the number of years I had been working when I had the liche I was ahead of product at GIFGAF and I felt that I had put a good number of years in my career and I had already advanced well enough to be able to feel okay, now it's a good time to actually invest in a young family as opposed to just investing in my career as a woman. It turned out that it's quite hard. And actually, it turned out that when I was head of product, my line manager at the time resigned and the chief product and design officer role became available. So I had the moment in which actually I had the old plan, Virena. I was like, now I'm head of product. It's the right time. I'm going to go on maternity leave for a year. I'm coming back. I'm still head of product. It's all planned. 
it's going to be fine. And this happened. And a part of me was, well, I'm not ready for this job. I actually can't take it. It's too big. It's too broad. It's meaning managing a team of three times the size of my previous team. And even if it was absolutely my dream job, my first instant reaction was, I don't think I can do this. And I'm not sure I can actually apply because I didn't know whether I was able to be a mom and covering a senior role within GIFCAF. I just had no So how idea. pregnant were you when you applied for that role? I was eight months pregnant. And actually, I gave birth 10 days later because Alicia was premature. So I was appointed chief product and design officer in December and the 10th of January, I had given birth. So this is also very much part of, you know, all I went through when I went back to work after maternity leave because I had become chief product and design officer at GIFCAF and I had become a mum at the same time. So the two things were a massive undertaking for me mentally because they happened at the same time. So I had no time to be just Carlotta and be a mum. And then going back to work to my previous job and reorientating myself, I had to fast track everything, all my learnings, because I went back to work in a different job, in, in a much more senior role. Mm. And the beginning was quite confusing on one line. I felt that for some months, I didn't have any more of my usual reference points. My line manager was different. My peers were different. They were all C-suite levels. They they were the people that I wanted to impress before. And now all of a sudden they were my peers. And, you know, my friends said that Gifka were people that I was managing. Also, I think I went, well, you know, I went back to work during a pandemic. So I didn't go back to the office for a good number of months. I went back to work, but I was in my living room in front of a laptop. And I really missed the support of colleagues that just would tell you at the coffee machine, you're a good girl, you're doing a good job. Carry on, carry on. Well, mm. I felt so alone and so isolated for so many months and has been quite tough. Mm. Um, I can imagine. I think it's such a roller coaster what you went through. I don't think you could make it up with having a premature baby, just having applied for a new job and then going back in into that new job in a pandemic. And just... I'm interested in, in, in your timing here. So you chose to put yourself forward, eight months pregnant for this really exciting, but very, very big role. What advice do you have in hindsight to your younger self about when you should go for that type of role? I don't think it's ever the right time. And I think when something comes up, you need to grab it, no matter what's going on in your life. It could be being pregnant. It could be having just had the baby. It could be anything else, actually. It could be not being feeling very confident or strong enough in that specific moment. But I think there's never a right time. And when you have an opportunity in front of you, you just need to go for it. For it. That is what really worked in my career as well. Some people sometimes ask me, where I planned my career, I didn't actually. I just knew that I wanted to do a great job. I wanted to be a great product manager. And how I got where I got was just by grabbing one opportunity after another. I started working at Giftaf as a product manager, managing a product team. Then someone left at work and I put myself, my hand up saying, 
can I manage two teams now? You don't have to recruit another person. I think I can, I can do it. So that will save you money. And I think I can actually demonstrate to you all that I can manage a bigger team. And after two teams, it became three and four and five. And actually, I've quite naturally grown into the head of product at GIFGAF at some point because I, in a number of years, actually, I had demonstrated the ability of managing more than one team. And again, when this job came up, yeah, I wasn't too sure about myself, about my capabilities and the fact that I didn't feel it was the right time at all. But I just did it. Mm, did I it. completely agree with you. I think it's a case of do first and then think later. Not everyone who's listening may agree with me, but there are always reasons not to do it. And if we don't do it, there are massive challenges later down the line because you end up with lots of people, you know, lots of women who have other commitments, not putting themselves forward. And then senior leadership teams are not as diverse as we want them to do so well done for putting yourself forward that's amazing and how are you finding it now do you find do you think working with a young toddler is harder now you're in that chief product officer role or do you think it would be as hard if you were still in the more junior role oh or maybe you don't find anything hard in which case no I find it incredibly hard it's very hard well you know you never have a comparison right so you can just assume what it would have been. I think I would have just had different challenges. I think when you are in a senior role, what I find quite hard is just the mental load, is the um, that ability of being emotionally available for everyone all the time. It's being emotionally available at 5 a.m. for your child when she wakes up and finding funny activities for her to be entertained thinking oh and then in three hours time I also have to work for 10 hours and then it's you know you're just going to flow into a number of meetings where people just need you need your advice need your guidance need your steer from either a business or strategic perspective or they not just need you to be reassured to get that confidence boost and then once I switch off from work again I need to be, again, available emotionally for Alice to make her feel loved and that her mom is present even if she's working. So I think what I really find difficult in a senior role with a toddler is always being positive, constructive, and again, emotionally available for everyone at the same time. While sometimes I just want to scream and be the child myself. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really hard then to find always the energy, mental energy, to be the best version of a leader and the best version of yourself as a mum. Mm. At the same time, I also think it's a bit easier to be in a senior role because people look up at you in terms of, they observe your behaviours as a working mum. And so I don't have a problem at all of setting boundaries from a work perspective, because I know that I just don't do it for myself. I know that if I do it, someone else will observe me and will do it again in the future. So I think there are things that are harder in a senior role, but also a bit simpler because all of a sudden you represent. You need to be, I actually feel the importance of being a role model for other people. And so when people tell me, it's an example just recently, Alicia's is going through a bit of a difficult phase from a sleeping pattern perspective. And um, she has always been a fantastic sleeper and always been very lucky. But recently, she started waking up early in the morning, fighting nap time, fighting bedtime, 
And all of a sudden, like my day had become a 20 hours day. And I was just feeling exhausted, like working and, you know, putting that sleeping pattern back on track was really hard. And I made the decision of switching off at 5 p.m. to try to spend more time with her from 5 to 7. So that, again, I could invest time in making her feel that her mom is present and loves her to try to then again embrace these regression massive regressions she's going through and I know it's a phase if I handle it well right now if I reprioritize a bit my work day if I invest a bit more in family now um, and I try to be a lot more efficient with my work schedule I think that I can go back to having more flexibility later like I was telling you, Irina, at the beginning, I didn't ask for it. I just did it. Obviously, I asked. I agreed with my like, manager and Gift Cup is an amazing place from a flexibility perspective. And there are so many compassionate and authentic leaders. But at the same time, my encouragement would be if you are in a situation in which you need something, you need more flexibility, whatever you need, actually, just do it and make it work. Don't ask for it and don't expect others to give you that permission. Um, and I think it, it's such an important yeah. thing uh, for working parents. And I completely agree with you. It is easier to be flexible quite often in a more senior role. And very often people assume it is going to be harder to combine a family with young children in a senior role. But actually, there is a real benefit because you can be so much more flexible. Now, you've told me at the beginning you are a certified yoga instructor, which is amazing. And I always imagine yoga instructors to be extremely good at being present in the moment and all this mindfulness, you know, I was going to say that it out, which isn't respectful, all this, you know, being present with people where you are. Have you learned anything about how you can be present with your daughter, even though you haven't slept? There's tons of emails in the back of your head and the house is a mess. What, if anything, have you learned about being present with her? When you are with her? First of all, I, again, I find it really hard. I think what my yoga background and, and meditation skills helped me with was very much acknowledging that you're not present. So even if it's, I tend to do it quite a lot, like even if I switch off the laptop and then I go back to the kitchen and I'll try to feed her, sometimes, you know, I'm halfway with the spoon thinking, okay, so what about that decision that we made? And, and she, she doesn't behave as well. And you realize that she's the best feedback and sounding board, actually, because kids are not happy, I think, when their parents are in a completely other world. Mm-hmm. But I learned over time to acknowledge it and think, okay, wait a minute, this is not going as well as I wanted to. And I normally just take a moment, I leave her in the room for 10 seconds go somewhere, go in another room, grab a bit of water, um, look at myself in the mirror thinking, you can do this, you can do this, Carlotta, and go back to it with a, with a different perspective. So I try to take sometimes small breaks when I'm with her and when I realize that actually I'm not present at all because I'm thinking about something else. Mm. I can't say it's a life changer, really, but it's helping a little bit to take that pressure off. And I think just acknowledging that it is hard. And it's a topic that I thought about a lot recently because quite a lot of our fellows, so we run a fellowship program where we support leaders with babies and young children to continue to progress their careers. So we have some really interesting conversations. And this topic of being present whilst at the same time having a big job comes up again and again. And 
I think I absolutely agree with you, Dick. Just acknowledging that you're not doing it is a such an important first step. And surely it sounds like your meditation skills and yoga skills help you there. And then I think there's also just the element of actually sometimes you don't want to be present with your child because your child is throwing a terror tantrum and it's easier to check Instagram briefly or to think about the strategy because actually that's more interesting than dealing with someone who's just thrown all the spaghetti on the floor and rubbed them into their hair at the same time. So I think that we also have to acknowledge that it's not always fun to be with children. No offense to all those lovely children that we have. So yeah, I think that works out. And then the other thing that works well is, you know, these we had someone on, you know, these, these mindfulness exercises of, you know, something that you hear, something that you can see, something that you can touch and so on. So I sometimes do that, that I just try to look at my child's eyelashes, which I have a five-year-old and a three-year-old mm. and a 12-month-old and a little one. Obviously, if he's quiet, that works quite well because he has beautiful eyelashes. <laughs> but yeah, we are all figuring out our own tricks. And I just, I love, I think the yeah. point about just acknowledging it is such an important one. I love that. I, I also, another thing that I realized when I went back to work after maternity leave was that I felt the pressure of switching off my laptop and actually just running to her. Mm. Well, I realized that that wasn't really working because I was still thinking about emails and the last call I had and so I realized to create a bit of me time in between which isn't much but I normally switch off and then take a walk for half an hour 20 minutes let's say in half an hour I put my shoes on I walk and I come back um, it's not much time when you think about it. it's just 30 minutes and actually I wish I had a much longer but it helps me park one conversation uh, work and then getting ready and being a bit more present with Alice and to go back home thinking, okay, now I'm her mum and I need to do my best in, in, in this job. So I think as well, it's, it's building some buffer time in between roles, which again, I, I wish it was a bit longer, but it's all I have and I'm trying to make it work at the best that I can. Mm, yeah, I, that is such good advice. I completely agree. And especially for those of us who are working from home, it's absolutely invaluable. I want to ask you about your experience of giving birth to a child prematurely. And I, I'm interested in how that was for you. And also, I guess if there's anything that that you learned from that, it, it sounds, it, I know it can be a very traumatic experience because a lot of us who have very senior roles, we are used to planning and we know when the due date is. And then Obviously, all that happens. How was that for you? Well, I was in denial until the end. So I had my hospital bag all packed with my bikini inside because I still thought that I wanted such a natural birth, uh, being, you know, yoga instructor. I was picturing a water birth, no epidural, nothing, just my mental strength. <laughs> and all my plans went out of the window when DOB told me, this baby needs to come out now. Like, no, why? What do you mean? No, she's fine. She's not fine. She needs to come out now. And I was so terrified, Rina, that actually I tried to buy extra time thinking, is there any other option? And the option one, you could have a C-section tomorrow. Okay, I'll get that. Thank you. I bought 24 hours. This just tells you how not ready I was to have that child at that time, that I preferred to go through a massive ab abdominal surgery rather than having the baby in the moment that they told me that the baby had to come out. Everything was a little traumatic. I think it was 
not just in my case, at least, you know, having had a premature baby that was really low weight, she was four pounds, not even, so really, really tiny baby. It was difficult as well because I suppose I didn't have any time to switch off, to wrap up work, wrap up the number of years of work that I had and then think and get ready and think, okay, now I'm having a child. I had no time to prepare in that sense, which sounds a bit silly right now that I said, because I had eight months. So that felt like a good enough time. But in those eight months, actually, I was busy becoming a yoga instructor, becoming a chief product and design officer and, you know, um, traveling as much as I could, even if I was pregnant. And so I think a part of the struggle, yes, was having a premature child, but it was also intimately not feeling ready at all in that role and not being ready, I suppose, to become a mum. And for a good number of months after all, I felt really fragile, really vulnerable, actually the most vulnerable I had ever felt in my life. I can't think of a more difficult time in my life, which maybe says that I had been always a very lucky person. Probably, yes, I'm being very lucky in many ways, but I just didn't expect that vulnerability that comes with becoming a new mom. And for a good number of months, actually, very nice, if I'm honest, a part of me was like, what did I do to me? What did I do to my life? It was so cool before. I could travel. I could go out for dinner when I wanted. I had an amazing husband. Why did I really do this to me? What's the sense of it all? Which sounds very much like a bit of a depression, if I'm honest. Um, I was never diagnosed with it. But if it wasn't depression, I felt quite close to it, really. And I just didn't feel that I was being a good mum because she was premature. I couldn't breastfeed. I suppose now for a number of reasons, she was so tiny that, you know, even the action of sucking the milk was too much for her. But this responsibility for me was really hard to accept. I remember that I kept thinking, the only thing I need to do right now is to feed her and I'm not able to do so. And that guilt, immense guilt of having become a mom and not even being able to feed your daughter is something that is uncomparable to anything I had ever experienced in my life that failed breastfeeding was incredibly hard for me. So much so that actually I started expressing milk and I did it for six months. Every two hours, I would express milk for half an hour because I was probably also a little brainwashed, but I felt that I had to give her the best and probably that was also a bit of a way of punishing me for not being able to do it naturally. So again, for six months, I did express breast milk and gave her yeah breast milk for, for six months, expressing night and day. So I would literally put the alarm on at midnight, at 2 a.m., at 4 a.m., at 6 a.m. And so imagine how sleep deprived I was and how not mentally capable I was also to be able then to address anything else that was happening in my life and all the responsibility that comes with having a little child. Mm. I still remember being at the day of the first weaning. It was the 10th of July, 2020. One of the happiest moments in my life when I thought, this is over now. I can be a better mom. And after weaning, actually, things became a bit easier because, and again, it's terrible to say, but I needed to put a bit of distance between the two of us. I felt it was so hard also to have her always on my chest 
all the time. I felt that was a massive weight to carry all the time. I was so happy. I remember when I put her on the high chair. Wow, this is life now. Like, you know, we're two different persons. Mm-hmm. It were not, I'm still your mom, but I needed to put a bit of extra space between the two of us. Mm-hmm. That's what I mean. Like, I wasn't born a mom and I had to become one yeah. at some point. And it's so inspiring to hear you say that actually, that is what you needed. And it's unbelievable the lengths that you went to and so many parents go to to support their children. Actually, there's just so much pressure, especially on women, women to have, you know, to be a certain type of mother in, in quotation marks, which isn't realistic at all. So when I think about it, it's such a social construct, you know, I, I obviously I know breastfeeding is good and all that, but there's a lot of social construct here about what is it, it is to be a good mother. And, and my grandmother, who, you know, she would have had my mother 65 years ago, my grandmother didn't breastfeed her children. And more than that, she went on holiday with her husband without the baby who stayed with a nurse for I, I think she was immediately after the birth now I don't know how I feel about that you know obviously yeah that might cause some bonding issues I don't know I can't obviously I wasn't there but you know at that time nobody would be batting an eyelid and yet now it's completely different also what's his name Rutger Bergman he writes in his book Utopia for Realists that in the 1970s stay-at-home mothers did less interaction yeah. with their children than we do nowadays, where mm-hmm. a lot of people are working. And I just think let's stop for a moment and acknowledge about the huge pressure that we are putting ourselves under. And I know there are men missing as well. So sorry to anybody who <laughs> talk about women for a moment, but you know that there's such a pressure that we're putting ourselves under. Yeah. I totally agree. I think the pressure on actually mothers and fathers as well. Mm. is massive and I think you know I'm no one to prove or disprove any theory about parenting I just research and do what I think in the end works best for us but this notion of really attached parenting is really difficult to combine with a work um, with a career and a work lifestyle and you know many of us don't have a choice of deciding choosing between work or not working, like many of us just have to work. And at the same time, we're put under pressure to then being amazing parents and cheerleaders and um, to make sure they're always constantly happy and entertained and they eat so well, they sleep so well. And I think it, it can carry on actually this way. I think that something will have to change and a bit more of realism <laughs> needs to come through. Mm. At the same time, I think that, again, work flexibility really helps while you navigate through all of these conflicting, actually, information about what you should be doing, which I find really difficult as well. Because even if you research, even if you want to, you know, want to be quite a a grounded parent and think, okay, I'm going to approach this in the best way possible, then there are different conflicting theories. And I think you're always left a bit in the dark about what is really useful and what's really important and the end it's just very confusing mm. and there are some fellows who are so fellows i think some of the people around fellowship programs who are breastfeeding exclusively and fed the children until they're two or even three years old and i fed my babies all until they were two and a half so far and i've really enjoyed that and then there are others who've never breastfed that and i think we just yeah just let's not give people a blueprint of what it is to be a good parent that is so destructive but it's hard not to internalize 
all yeah. the messaging from outside. And I don't know how you find it, but there's something about a cultural issue as well. Um, so I'm from Switzerland originally, and my friends in Switzerland, they don't have the same pressures around breastfeeding. And obviously, again, I know it's a very sensitive issue. People feel passionate about it either way. But in the UK, it's very clear. You're told very clearly from health people, doctors, nurses, midwives, that this is the very, very important to breastfeed. And so there's a huge level of pressure. Well, in Switzerland, my sister was like, yeah, I've been told breastfeeding is good and I'll try it and, and I'll give it a go. But it's also okay. There are advantages to not feeding exclusively because then my husband can do some of the feeds. Yeah. yeah I like, I have to say this openness. I, I do appreciate that because it puts less pressure on parents and mothers. I think there are so many theories nowadays that are really protective of the child and the baby. Yeah, I, I suppose there is some research that says, yes, breast milk is great for babies, especially if like in my case, you have a premature child. I actually do believe that it's probably the best choice or, you know, feeding on demand. Again, it sounds, it's very encouraged right now, but none of these theories take the mother's health, mental health mm. in consideration. Because we said at the beginning, being constantly available to your child is a massive weight to carry. And personally, we again, no disrespect to anyone else who would be making a different choice, but I wasn't able really to put myself in that situation of just being at the service of my daughter. I wanted the best, but I, I felt really vulnerable and fragile when I was trying really hard to fit in that stereotype, in that archetype, I suppose. I felt much better when I was able to actually start making my own choices about what was best for her, but also what was best for me. Mm. And I think it's it's really difficult sometimes to push back because you're given lurch that says that the baby's you know, preferences and needs go first. Mm. Actually, I believe a lot more in, in creating a healthy bond between mom and baby and making sure that the balance is right, actually. And the mom is such an important part of the equation. It's not oh, just... yes. Exactly. Exactly. Couldn't agree more. So time has flown and I could keep talking to you for ages, but Lynn, my lovely colleague, always does mention to me that we need to keep the length of the podcast to a certain number. But I would still like to pick up just on who influenced you or who has given you advice that has really shaped how you combine senior career with young children. Is there someone that has shaped your thinking? This is a question that I'm asked a lot and I quite love because I had really good role models, actually. I had my first manager in Italy who was pregnant at the time. I, well, our current chief marketing officer at Gifkaf is an amazing leader, an amazing mom, really humorous, really funny, really authentic, and a great marketeer. And I've got other friends, one of which again at Gifkaf, who's an amazing mom that really nailed, I think, part time working. So my role models are women that I've met throughout my career that just by observing them and seeing how they were combining and the choice that they were making, how they were optimizing their own time, what they were saying no to, really made it a bit less scary and to be a working mom. And I am really lucky to have had those role models. But at the same time, I think more and more over time, I also realized that I really look at fathers as role models as well. And again, at Gifkaf, I can mention loads of examples of amazing fathers 
you know, do school runs, work flexibly to be able to work with, um, to work and spend time with their kids. And I think that, again, over time, my idea of role model has also evolved. Before becoming a mum, I looked very much at female role models. And now I, I get inspiration from a much wider set of people and, and fathers as well. And, and parents in general are, are actually my my strong inspiration. But it's just little nuggets of behaviours and experiences that you observe from others that I think are really, really important. Mm-hmm. The reason why, like I was telling you at the beginning, Verena, when I became a mum, one of the things that I decided to do was being very honest, open and authentic about my experience, not because I think I've got the answers, but just because I know the power of having role models and the conversations I had before becoming a mum with these women that I've told you about were so key, like so pivotal in in becoming the mum that I am right now. At the same time, our current you know CEO Ash, who's also my land manager, he's he's a very compassionate and empathetic leader, and I think this helps a lot when you need more flexibility when some meetings don't really go as intended. Because I've always felt very understood by him. And felt that he was, has always been my sponsor, really. So having in the back of your mind the fact that no matter what you do, no matter how hard you find it, you can open up to your line manager and to someone at work, I think is a massive way of retaining talent and retaining people mm-hmm. in organizations. So again, I've taken inspiration from many people. But like I said, I think my role models right now are those very authentic, compassionate, empathetic leaders, female or not, that I think can really help everyone who will really make an impact on people's lives. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I'm very, very inspired by everything you said. I'm going to ask you, offer, so you have a chance to say no, but I'm going to ask you to be a senior leader mentor to one of our fellows who has a, a very young baby, because I think, yeah, I think you yourself actually could be a brilliant uh, premium role model. But I'll ask you afterwards off air so that you have a chance to say no. No, <laughs> no I'm, I'm really happy. No, absolutely. Like like I said, Irina, like <laughs> best, I think the best part of being a leader actually is is helping others. Mm. It, you know, it, at least I'm very I'm I'm quite humble. Like I love what I do. I love my job. I love product. I love innovation and tech, like I told you. But I think it all makes sense only when you realize that by doing that, you're also helping others and you're making an impact on other people's lives. Mm. Like I told you at the very beginning, I wasn't always in this position. Like, honestly, right now, I feel really mentally strong. I feel in a really good place, really great position uh, work-wise from a team perspective, from a personal perspective as well. Even though, like I told you, Alit is going through these terrible tools, which are not easy. You know, I'm very privileged and lucky altogether. Um, that I think the part that I love the most about being a leader is is very much trying to help and support them. Mm. And I think just by how you live your life, and even though it's completely imperfect, you know, I'm not saying your life is imperfect, but let's like it is. life with a toddler is never ever perfect. There's no. it is challenging, however you look at it. But you are going to, I think, even just by making small choices, like for example, saying, you know, this is my five o'clock start, and that's it. And and I think that's really important. Amazing. Thank you so much. And if there's, so you've talked about your own journey of being on a really tough time and then coming out at the other end. If someone is listening to this, who has had, who is going through a tough time, I really encourage them to reach out to their GP. 
and to seek if they are based in the UK or if they're based outside of the UK to seek advice from a health professional. But I just wanted to ask if there's one thing that you could recommend to someone who is going through a tough time, who's not feeling like they're doing a good job as a mom or as a leader or as a dad or as a leader, what would be that one thing that they, they might be able to do this week to get them started on the journey of feeling okay? I think what works for me is starting small, like making just a tiny, small adjustment and see whether that helps. Um, when I think when you're not in a good place mentally, anything feels like a massive undertaking and a big effort. By breaking that down, I suppose, into something a bit smaller that feels a bit more comfortable to change or do, in my, in my mind, make, makes a big difference because that tiny little step then normally works and then gives you the confidence of taking another little step and then another one until you feel like, yeah, you can run, really. And so whatever adjustment that is, start. I'm a product person and I love continuous improvements and keep on testing your own assumptions. And that is actually the way I've designed my life is not exactly knowing all the time where I'm going, but try to navigate through the challenges that I'm thrown at by keep on adapting, keep on adjusting. But I know it's very, it's much, much harder when you're not in a good place mentally. Mm. I suppose the other thing, but it's really hard to do, and I didn't do it actually when I was going through a hard time, is um, ask for help. Asking for help for me is very difficult. Like I told you in the first six months when I was breast, well, not breastfeeding, trying to, I didn't ask for help. I was helped in many ways, but I didn't. And for a long time, I think all I needed probably was just sleeping half an hour in the morning. And how difficult is it to say, well, hey, can someone help me? And can I just snooze for half an hour? I didn't. And, and I think that I think I recovered. It took me longer to recover from that experience because I was just not able to ask for what I needed. So if you're listening, then I suppose try and do it because I think it goes a long way. Mm. And I think it just, makes it quicker to come the other way mm. thank you so much for being so honest i think it's going to be really helpful for a lot of people um we didn't know each other before this podcast but i really feel that yeah i really enjoyed my conversation with you and thank you so much for giving yourself to the listeners in this very authentic way and let's keep in touch <laughs> absolutely absolutely thank you so much again for Sorry, I should have said, if people want to find out more about you or, you know, your work or Gifcaf, where should they go? I think they, well, they can find me on LinkedIn. So that wouldn't be a problem at all. So sending me a message on LinkedIn, I think is, is probably the best way of keeping in touch. Great. Fantastic. Thank you very much, Carlota. Thank you, Rina. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast all the way until the end. Really, hopefully it was useful and I'm really pleased if it was. If it was, then do please share it with one or two of your friends on WhatsApp, Signal, Telegram, whatever you happen to use. It's been wonderful to see the podcast grow so much over the last few months, um, tripling the listener numbers, but we're hoping to grow it even more because there are some dream guests of mine, for example. I would love to interview Brenda Brown. And I would love to interview more CEOs and there are plenty of people on my dream guest list. So I guess, you know, some of them, they want to have even higher listener numbers. So do help us out by sharing it far and wide so we can get all those amazing guests. And 
I would also love to answer more of your questions and we figured out a way to do this. So if you head over to speakpipe.com forward slash big careers small children, that's speakpipe.com forward slash big careers small children, you can send a voice note with one of your questions, which we can then put to one of our upcoming guests as part of the podcast conversation. And I think that would be a really interesting way to get you to participate and make the podcast even more about what you need to hear. We've got some brilliant people come up. We've got a CEO who works part-time. We have a HR director. We have someone who works in a really male-dominated environment. We have someone who has been the first one to, in her organization to work part-time in a senior role and applied for a full-time job but then negotiated for it to be part-time and so on. So yes, but the bottom line is please send me your comments and most importantly your questions. So speakpipe.com forward slash big careers small children. If you just want me to listen to your message but not included, then please say at the beginning that you want it to be kept anonymous and we won't include it. But other than that, we might include your message in the podcast itself. So just let us know if you don't want that to happen. And also, we've been doing a lot of work behind the scenes to think about what more we can offer you. One practical thing is that we are putting on quite a few additional open events for people that aren't part of our community yet. So the best way to find out about those will be in to sign up to the newsletter. So in the next newsletter, there will be a long list with events, both for employers and for individuals that you can sign up to. We've got one, for example, for people who are pregnant and um, you'll have one about dual careers so if you are a couple and both of you are working in high power careers how do you survive or even is it possible to thrive yeah so anyways do sign up to the newsletter if you want to be kept in the loop about that there are also other events and opportunities all on the website the fellowship is running once a year so if you want to be Consider for that, the best way is to make sure that you go on leadersplus.org.uk forward slash register interest. Um, it's a nine month program, you get a senior leader mentor. Um, basically, there are amazing senior leaders who have lived experience of balancing young children and the career and who are really, you know, who want to support others. You get an amazing program of workshops to support you to progress your career with young children. I won't go into too much details, you probably have heard about it, but there are always funded places and hardship fund places, so but for those it's worth being on the list early and therefore go and register interest. Um, yeah, I think that's all I wanted to say to you today. Thank you again for listening and any questions, comments, just go to speakpipe.com forward slash big careers small children. Thank you very much and see you both speak to you next week.